For the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. If you can't afford to be a patron, stop into the Discord and message me, and I'd be happy to give you access to this great episode. Uh, Meanwhile, you can enjoy this little preview. Solidarity forever. I want to get in here is where Lenin is basically pointing out that at the time there was, you know, all of this discussion and campaigning from the, the ruling bourgeoisie that, hey, look how much freer we've made society now that there isn't a monarchy. There's this bourgeois parliamentary system. It's an amazing democracy. And so Lenin talking about the way the capitalist state has changed over the past, you know, uh, 50 years or so at, at the time of his writing since you know Marx had written Capital he, he said, talks about the rise of imperialism where he says imperialism the era of bank capital the era of gigantic capitalist monopolies of the development of monopoly capitalism into state monopoly capitalism has clearly shown an unprecedented growth in its bureaucratic and military apparatus in connection with the intensification of repressive measures against the proletariat both in the monarchial and in the freest Republican countries. And really what he's hitting at there is that it's like, this is, this is a point that I would, you know, point out to because he's contrasting like de- quote unquote democratic capitalist societies with monarchies. But I think that the, where I would point this out is to compare, you know, say our form of parliamentarianism in the United right. States with what is commonly contrasted with it by progressives uh, which would be the parliamentarian systems in, in Western Europe, like people pointing out like Scandinavia and all these places. But what he's talking about here is that it's like, it's not the, you know, parliamentary form or lack thereof that is what grants democracy. It is the rule of the, <laughs> the actual rule of the majority, because as he's pointing out here, the, the, whichever form, right. as those class antagonisms develop, as workers develop consciousness and understand the necessity to band together so that they can, you know, get their, their just rewards of their labor— as those class antagonisms develop, it doesn't matter what the form of the state is. Right. They, the state will inevitably develop a bigger and more powerful repressive apparatus in response and, and you know, reinforcing the military, reinforcing the army to, to push back against the ruled class of workers who are, are trying to actually exert a real democracy. Yep. And that's, that's one of the, the things that I think, think like, I really want to point out is because you'll see people, oh, we just need to be more like, you know, Denmark or Germany or Scandinavia. But if you actually go look at, you know, the relations there, yeah, sure, there are certain aspects that are somewhat better than here. But like I mean the just that because, comparison, instance, I mean like what's but that's a pretty fucking low bar. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's I feel like uh this is just that meme uh where it's like how I defeated fascism with the power of love, but edited it a little bit. It's like how I defeated the bourgeoisie with the power of voting by Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> step one, the first step in my journey was realizing it is impossible to defeat the bourgeoisie with the power of love. Chapter two, the power of incredible violence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so from this understanding of what the state is on, on the understanding of the, the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie and the, the use of the state apparatus to repress the workers is where Lenin really gets into, okay, 
So what do we need to do? How do we need to do it? And so I'm going to run through a few quotes here on, on what he's saying, where he says, the essence of Marx's theory of the state has been mastered only by those who realize that the dictatorship of a single class is necessary not only for every class society in general, not only for the proletariat, which has overthrown the bourgeoisie, but also for the entire historical period that, which separates capitalism from classless society, from communism. Bourgeois states are most varied in form, but their essence is all the same. All these states, whatever their form, in the final analysis are inevitably the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. The transition from capitalism to communism is certainly bound to yield a tremendous abundance and variety of political forms, but the essence will inevitably be the same, the dictatorship of the proletariat. And to develop from there, he, he continues, the proletariat needs state power, a centralized organization of force, an organization of violence, both to crush the resistance of the exploiters and to lead the enormous mass of population, the peasants, the petty bourgeoisie and semi-proletarians in the work of organizing a socialist economy. And he carries on the logical extension from that is it is still necessary to suppress the bourgeoisie and crush their resistance. This was particularly necessary for the commune, referring to the Paris commune. And one of the reasons for its defeat was that it did not do this with sufficient determination. The organ of suppression, however, is here the majority of the population and not a minority, as was always the case under slavery, serfdom and wage slavery. Yeah. And so so that's really... I mean, that's getting into kind of where we start to see the difference between, I, I think, like the, one of the core differences between some anarchist theorization and, and the Leninist theorization, which is that during the period of socialism, which is you know referred to by the Marxist definition as the transitional period from capitalist, the capitalist mode of production we're in now to the classless stateless mode of production under communism, there will be this period of some duration, probably a very long one, uh, where we're, you're going to have to experiment with different state forms in order to actually force the bourgeoisie to give up their power. And there's a, there's a ton of people who have pointed stuff out like this, where, you know, it's like power concedes nothing without a demand. Like, the, right. you're not going to, the rich will not let you vote away their wealth, just to pull out a couple of these, these quotes from other Yeah, the people. master's tools and, will not dismantle the master's house, etc. Like. <laughs> right, and, and so his point there is that if you're going to actually, based on the actual historical experience of the commune, where they did temporarily in Paris, overthrow the rule of the bourgeoisie and enact the rule of the proletariat. However, they allowed the bourgeoisie to escape. They allowed them to go, you know, get outside the and city with a lot of their resources their and reconsolidate their power and come back with a standing army and they were crushed. And so the, the lesson from that experience and also from the suppression of various other workers' protests in, in parts of the revolutions of 1848 and, and other, and, and also, you know, workers' protests in Russia prior to 1917, including, you know, the, the 1905 revolution was that there's going to have to still be a temporary period under socialism where there is still a state apparatus. There is still an organ of class rule. But as he points out in that last part of the quote, 
This will be an organ, an organ of class repression, but for the first time under class society, it's not the suppression of the majority by the minority. It's the suppression of the former ruling class. The the in in our you know our time now the the billionaires, the the financiers, right. the industrialists, mm-hmm. the the one percent that that has monopolized control of the means of production. It's the repression of the temporary repression of that group by the vast vast majority of workers in order to ensure sure and consolidate the development of a society that no longer needs these class distinctions right to liberate no them from their from their bullshit status i right. I, I i think that one thing it, i've said a couple times on the show um though is this may be a slight tangent is the the concept of freedom of speech which i i think is uh really ties very closely in with the suppression of the the bourgeois and um and I and I really think that it's important to take like that concept and and really extend it to this argument because we're, and I always say freedom of speech doesn't exist. The ideal of it right. is not even necessarily like something that we want because for one in our current society I mean you don't have freedom of speech at work you don't have right. freedom of speech in the streets it's you don't have freedom of speech basically anywhere but it, but on top of that when when a lot of like more liberal leaning people would then critique uh, a state a, so, a socialist state uh, they would like to. They would say something like, "Oh, but they don't have freedom of speech." Well, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not really interested in giving the bourgeois their freedom to say that they should keep repressing us. And I think yeah. that it's really important that we don't concede that, and or even pretend it's some sort of ideal. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think that I promised myself I wouldn't bring up Sterner, and here I am doing it again. <laughs> but this dovetails nicely where I think that. Uh, Sterner's is informative here where he he talks about rights as if they're a joke because um, what he's trying to poke fun at is the idea that they come from somewhere that they're just mad they fall in your lap a right should fall in my lap but uh, he he makes a distinction or rather he plays with the distinction between rights as a property of you something that is intrinsic to you and being your property something that you have and that is to say that like rights are not just given to you they're not granted you have to go out and take them uh you know and it, you see this a little bit when he says like the workers have the most enormous power in their hands if only they were to put down the tools of labor and regard the product of it as theirs uh all hope for the bourgeoisie would be lost or something like that i'm paraphrasing and he also um you know he's playing with the difference between a property as like a possession and a property as an attribute and he's saying like these are not different you have to go out and take them from the people who are trying to take them from you and i think lenin has a really really clear understanding of this has a really materialist understanding of this because he's saying like we can't just like assume that if we if we go about with good hearts and we engage in our civic duties and such that like our rights will be honored and granted like no there are people who have proven to you through your labor exploitation at least that they intend to routinely take like disempower you of these rights and of these of these benefits and it's only through the organized collective suppression of that class of people that you're ever going to get those back or really get them in the first place 